0: My name is Robert Kerr, the host of this fair little podcast. And try that again. Michigan Soccer Central. Hello, listener. You found the latest edition of the Michigan Soccer Central podcast. How's it going? My name's Robert Kerr here with you the host of this podcast that aims to be the source for all your soccer information, updates, stories and insights from the beautiful game in the Great Lakes state. Happy to be with you. I uh, just uh, survived the Halloween weekend and I've got some awesome guests lined up to talk about the championship winning game I've got Mitch Gatsky uh, on the line in a few minutes and then to talk about Michigan State University's soccer program and uh, the great turnaround season under the new head coach for the women and uh, an upcoming tournament game for the men, collegiate soccer and lots of local soccer. Uh, it was um, lots of Postseason play in uh, the high school ranks. Be sure to check out the Michigan Soccer Central Twitter and Instagram. You can see so much MHSSA or uh, SAA uh, boys soccer coverage, uh, all the, the regional finals going on over the weekend. Check out the Twitter and Instagram and the Facebook pages for Michigan Soccer Central and uh, you'll see so much in-depth coverage of our uh, local high school attorneys. Collegiately, big weekend just happened. We're going to talk about the Spartans with Luca in a minute. But the University of Michigan men, they found out their postseason fate. They will be taking on Wisconsin at home on November 7th. We spoke on this very program with one of their midfielders, star midfielder, Kevin Buka, he was confident in their postseason uh, abilities. And they've drawn Wisconsin, who they did beat not too long ago. So uh, pulling for U of M to be successful there. And the University of Michigan women, who we haven't spoken too much about on this program. They've had an amazing uh, regular season. They won their Big Ten tournament first round game 3-1 to one, over Penn State over the weekend. Uh, they have a 13-3-3 record through this uh, fall 2021 campaign. And they now know on Thursday, November 4th, they will play Purdue in the second round. And if they get by those Boilermakers, they will have the, the Big Ten final on Sunday. So lots going on collegiately. Like I said, check out the Twitter and uh, Insta. Handles The social handles, I guess, for the uh, high school stuff. So much to get through there. And lots of amazing teams going on there. And speaking of amazing teams, it is the time of the week to announce the We Are Soccer, Michigan Soccer Central Team of the Week. And if you don't know this segment, it is uh, the two local soccer uh, shows, uh, social outlets, uh, kind of team up. To uh, find some of the uh, best stories in uh, soccer. And a lot of the times it turns out to be youth soccer, very youth soccer central, uh, youth so- soccer centric. Uh, this award. Um, been getting a lot more nominees uh, the, the more we do it. And we've added some honorable mentions. And this week for the team of the week, as debated by We Are Soccer and Michigan Soccer Central. Uh, Honorable mention goes to Intercity of Allen Park. Congratulations to them. And also, the number one team of the week, big shout out, goes out to Gull Lake High School. So, congratulations to them. Please send a DM to either We Are Soccer or Michigan Soccer Central to nominate a team that's been outstanding on or off the field. And we definitely want to shine a light on those teams doing excellence in uh, the Great Lakes State. There's uh, so much quality and so many good teams and so many good storylines. We want to talk about as many of those as we can. All right, a couple great interviews lined up for you. We're going to hear about Michigan State soccer in just a little bit with Luca Maloney. But we're going to really soak up that win that went down at Keyworth Stadium, uh, Detroit City FC, up next with Mitch Gatsky. All right, now to talk more about Saturday's game, we're joined by Mitch Gatsky, soccer guy, and he was in the press box as he is always, helping the broadcast for Digital Detroit City FC. He was spotting this weekend. Welcome, Mitch. Really excited to talk about uh, uh, a championship Saturday with you.
1: Absolutely Rob, thanks for having me as always and yeah, just it's seemingly just another week, uh, just another city win, just another season slash competition and just another city trophy. It's it's really been remarkable what Trevor James has done since coming in in 2019. I've got some stats we can go through a little bit later, but yeah, just blown away by um, just the, the the head and shoulders nature of Detroit City's run through NISA over the past two years.
0: Yeah, and like you said, it was business as usual. It was a 1-0 win at Keyworth Stadium in Detroit. The second place Cal United strikers came into Hamtramck on a uh, very soggy, misty fall afternoon day, and uh, uh, it was just the one goal in it. And you say, I mean, Detroit clearly head and shoulders in the league, clinching it with a few games to go but it's still fine margins as we get a little bit more granular on the game itself. Like there were some moments it could have gone either way, but you know, you never really doubted that those saves were made or, you know, those penalties were converted. So, so what did you see up in the, up in the box Saturday? I mean, I was out there getting a little moist. Thankfully the rain stopped. It was a little, it was a little drizzly there at the beginning, but uh it, 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 it dried up. What did you see up at the box?
1: Yeah, I was actually uh sideline as well, um, out in the elements doing red hat slash spotter. So I had kind of that, that up close and personal, uh, view of things. Um, you mentioned, you just kind of take for granted, you just consider, Oh, Steinwasher is going to make that save. We really are to that point where they had a couple shots that really should have gone in. They should have been goals, and Steinwasher just said no. I mean, there was a, a break in the first half before City um, even took the lead. And Steinwasher, uh, you know, with no defenders around, just kind of stood tall, made himself big in the net and forced a save, kept it at zeros, and City was able to, uh, you know, get more of a hold on the game after that. And then the late save, um, foul called just outside the area, a bending ball headed toward the bottom corner and Steinwasher just comes in with the sturdy hands as he always does that calm and that presence, you can't say enough about what he provides to the team and and their ability to not worry about what's going on in the back end and, you know, give them that freedom to to go forward and get the goals that they need because they know they're going to be solid at the back with Steinwasher and net.
0: Yeah, there was a special save in in each the first and second half. And yeah, I mean, it was a true champion moment. There's still games to play, but that really was the clincher. First versus second, you know, late game moment, you know, to and, you know, it was a championship winning save. So let's start at the beginning, nil-nil. And, uh, what did you see? Uh, there was a break in the box. I was wrestling children. So I, I didn't get a, an analytical watch of the game. I literally had kids on both knees. So there was, uh, some, uh, great pressure and a run into the box and a trip from behind. Uh, give me a more accurate line on that.
1: Yeah. I, you you described it uh, pretty well. I think there sometimes because C is so stout defensively, um, in the early moments of games, I have noticed a couple instances of just, I don't know if it's communication breakdowns or, you know, they're not just totally into the flow of the game yet. But a couple early chances uh, this year for City's opponents. And luckily, again, Steinwasher's been there to make the saves in those big moments. Um, but yeah, another case here, just, I mean, Cal United... It, they're second in the league. So they are no slouches, you know, it's not just some team that came into Keyworth this weekend. They have a plan of attack and to their credit actually did f- for moments, bring the game to city. I don't, I don't want to say that, you know, Kelly United controlled anything by any means. Um, but there were moments where you're worried about, you know, city's ability to keep that clean sheet. I think, um, you know again, just that the the solidity that Steinwasher provides, and then you add on top of that Steve Carroll, who I was talking to David Dewey after the game yesterday, and it's just like he makes plays Stephen Carroll does that he he makes the play without even making the play himself, if that makes sense, like he sets up the game so well from the back from his center back position. It's really incredible to watch him go to work as well um i think it's just again those early moments making sure that from moment one they're switched on they've they've gotten a couple of i don't want to say lucky breaks but uh, they've gotten bailed out by stein washer a couple times we saw that here against cal united Uh, but from there on it really was uh the city show um sloppy turf as you mentioned that came into play a little bit. A lot of slipping, a lot of sliding, and the ball was very quick. And I think that benefits City as well. When you look at the build-up play that they had throughout the first half and the early portions of the second half when they were still trying to go, still trying to get those goals and not hang back quite as much uh, as they did toward the latter stages of the game. That build-up play through the midfield with the one-touch, two-touch passing, um, Maxi Rodriguez, Cyrus Sadie, George Chamakov, those guys uh, and their their ability to take that ball from the back line and get it up to the forwards where the potency in attack is it's it, it can't be understated as well and you know the the slickness of the turf certainly contributed to that
0: yeah and Kelly United strikers even have the leading score in the entire league and i, I don't know if Uh, if, if the broadcast said his name much, but from the spectators, uh, section, um, I didn't see a real, like number nine threat yesterday.
1: No. And part of that, right. Is Cal United not being on the ball as much. I think, um, when they're at their best, they play a little bit more possession style and that's just generally not something that you're going to be able to come into Keyworth and do. So their tactics, I think switched up a little bit and, um, You know, I, I haven't seen every game of theirs, but I've seen enough to know that they weren't on top of their game yesterday. And, you know, just um, again, Stephen Carroll, like even without the ball, even without marking the man with the ball, he's just able to move the other guys in the defensive shape to be where they need to be. So that he really doesn't even need to make that many plays; they're already handled. <laughs> you know, by the time the ball rolls on through, it's got enough to get the Steinwasher, and he just kind of scoops it up. Like the understanding, the um, the consistency, the 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 reps now that those three guys at the back have, uh, and we haven't even mentioned Javin yet. I mean, he had a tremendous game, man of the match. Came up, made some. Interceptions on passes to the forwards Um, and yeah, the the interchangeability at the back, I think, contributes to that as well. So one guy makes a run, the other guy drops back and and that shape and that that consistent understanding of how we're going to play and go about this game and get it to where we need to go. You can't say enough about what Trevor James has done.
0: Yeah, they had a, a Detroit City FC's Twitter handle put out uh, a graphic with uh, all the achievements and the numbers since he has joined the club, and it's it's staggering. This and is absolutely
1: within, amazing.
0: Within the game itself, though, I was kind of it was the first time I got to go to a Detroit game with uh, the whole family. We've, it was my daughter's first one. Like I said, I was bouncing kids around. And it was, uh, I was kind of, they were asking questions and stuff. And I was explaining, it was really cool that there was players on the team that have been there like the entire time, like Cyrus Sadie was having an impact and he's been there for yeah. 10 years. And then the other, like my favorite player, Maxi Rodriguez is a new player this year and is an absolute standout and is amazing and did a lot of things made me go, wow. And really was like pointing to my son, like, Hey, that, you know, that's a real player right there. Yeah. And I really liked uh filerman too. We were on that side and, he was pretty much in front of us almost the whole game because he played uh, left side and he had great success. He he almost seemed to get by his mark every time and had space. Would receive the pass, make a move right by the the right back and put in a dangerous cross. And I was really impressed with him. So there was new guys and core guys. Uh, really great mix of all those different like levels of players from younger. To experienced and uh, uh, you know in the fabric of the club as well as a new addition to the club, it's really a great, great mix. And you can see they have chemistry and they know how to use that space. Like it's not like the biggest field in the world by by any stretch. And he said yeah. he was really fast, and yet they they know the dimensions of that field inside and out. And it's very clear that they, they know they, everybody. No one looks ever. No one ever looks confused.
1: Yeah, uh, filerman was tremendous. You're absolutely right. Up along the left hand side of the city attack in that first half. The again, the position that he plays, I'm going to chalk this up to Trevor James because you you can have talented players, but if they're not playing in the right positions, you won't see that come through. Right. And I think at the beginning of the year, Jimmy maybe wasn't in the right position, but since he's moved into kind of this wing back, uh, you know, just playing out on the wing and again, being able to go do his thing going forward because he knows the job behind him making all the plays defensively as part of that back three. He his his hunger. Like you see, he gets on the ball and he's attacking immediately. He's always looking to go forward. There is no, you know, okay, well, let's check it back and kind of recycle it. He isn't an attack, attack, attack kind of guy. And I think that plays well for city. When you look at the makeup of the other guys on the team who are kind of more controlled possession base, they shuffle it over to Jimmy Feilerman, and he just goes all out. And you've been seeing him have a lot of fun on the field. You know, Winning and fun go hand in hand. Um, and I think when you're doing one, the other one comes a little bit more naturally. And you're seeing that with Jimmy Feilerman right now. But yeah, let's go through these stats because it's just absolutely amazing. When you look at what Trevor James has done since taking over, all-time record, now 53 wins. 12 draws, 4 losses. That's not including the friendlies. The all-time goal differential is plus 116. Mm. They're now 363 days unbeaten at home. Uh, um, Trevor James is unbeaten all time on the road. They've won the 2019 Great Lakes Conference, the 2019 Members Cup, the 2020 and 2021 nisa independent cup 2020 legends cup 2020 2021 nisa champions now the 21 fall champions you kind of at what point do you run out of things to do in this league if you're detroit city i think we're we're getting to that point where hey um if you can't provide us some competition what do what do we do
0: is that fair though? They we, we've gotten to that point, so I, I had a feeling that was going to come up because that was some a lot of the reactions online that I saw like that. But to to the point of fine margins, yes, they've won it with a few weeks left, and they yes, they have been the best. But take that game in context. Yesterday, that was a one 0 game, where it was a penalty, and there was two very special special at any level of the game type saves from Steinwasher, and that's a different score line. I mean, granted, yes, they they, they kind of have magic dust sprinkled them in that regard. Like they consistently are doing those fine margin things. And yes, that puts them on another level. But it seems like I guess I don't want them to get too carried away. And I know that there is pressure to to do bigger and better. And clearly, I mean, that's been the path for Detroit City FC so far. And they've had to improvise because of, uh, you know, failings of leagues and whatnot. But they're 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 pushing their way along and I guess even if they do want more, I think it's too soon. Like we've I mean, what is this? The first full real year of like Nice has been rolling, you know, open and closed. We're not even to the end of it yet, but like a full first full like, you know, spring and fall season, it would be preemptive, I think, to to jump ship just yet. Uh Dan Vaughn actually gave me encouragement that way is like other than Detroit, I mean, there's like eight expansion teams essentially in this league like they're clearly not like running at at full gate just yet and so i feel like you know give them a few more off seasons give them a little bit more time i feel like that level will come up and there really hasn't been like there has obviously been a couple odd games where it is a blowout and those (laughs) there's definitely been some suspect competition but in in large part, could you say? I mean, they won the spring season against LA Force, and that was a one nil own goal win. And then against the other LA team yesterday, the Kelly United Strikers, uh, one nil again, and tight tight margins. So it's hard to say that they're. I guess it's, it's don't don't. I think the level can rise. I guess is in short moment I'm getting at.
1: You're absolutely right. Nice is not hit its stride yet and i am very curious to see how these expansion teams do kind of shake things up make it more interesting again i i'm going to continue to say the more the merrier i think we need more teams across the nation and fewer leagues um that's a whole nother issue but
0: (laughs) yeah i I mean all of this kind of points to that right
1: I, yeah. I, and I think you're right. It is too early at this point to just kind of jump ship to another league, whatever it might be. Um, cause it, it wouldn't necessarily be a better fit. Grass isn't always greener, but going back to your point about the competition and just how I said it at the top city is head and shoulders and you are right. There have been some fine margins, but when you look at the makeup of that game, I think that it, it that explains why, right We're dissecting games that are played at Keyworth in a championship setting where the visitors know right that that they're not as good as city And they might not admit that, but the coaches again, they're not they're not coming into Keyworth trying to play their game. They're trying to stop city from playing their game. So the fact that city's still able to come away with, as you mentioned, these consistent one nil close victories when maybe you weren't even the better team on the day, um, that shows the championship caliber of this team and of this program, the best teams get it done even when they are not at their best on that day. And I think that's what we're seeing from city.
0: Yeah, it was pretty remarkable. Uh, it was my, uh, First time I brought my daughter, and it was the first time my the whole family unit got to go. And uh, when I asked them at the end of the day when they got home, it was, actually, that, that 4 o'clock start was perfect. I mean, I know in, in lots of other people didn't help them get to the game, but for my scenario, it was great. And uh, the best highlight of the day was seeing the trophy. Yeah. I mean, it's a habit for them now, right? It's almost like a routine like okay they have the banner out here this is champion and then they go over to the the fans with it you know yeah. it's it's definitely becoming routine you you listed all those off
1: Yeah um it I I don't want to say it's getting old but you know they just kind of wheeled out the Nisa champions banner again and <laughs> kind of rinse wash and repeat
0: Yeah and uh, it, it was awesome in mean, own so right I mean you said that was the first time uh for a game with a crowd at the very least that the broadcast was a bundled up broadcast. Uh, so yeah. how has that transition been to where in years past the season was just a summer season and now, you know, we're getting into, you know, late in the year. Yeah. how? What kind of challenges practically has that uh, given the broadcast and you, and you guys?
1: It's definitely different, right? I mean, it's, it's uh, a lot more difficult to convince people who aren't necessarily soccer fans to come out, you know, on a day like yesterday, uh, Michigan, Michigan state, notwithstanding just the weather, um, in general, I think presents obviously quite a challenge, but there's still, it's amazing. You get 3000 people on a day like yesterday, over 3000, and you still consider it a disappointment like that, that in itself speaks volumes to the expectations that city have set. I think it's still a matter of, you know, Nisa's still very brand new. We're working through this kind of split season with an extended fall and more games running later into the year. A lot of the fans who maybe aren't diehards probably don't even know that yet, you know, with COVID (laughs) and,
0: I mean... It's very new. It's the first time it's been a real fall.
1: So there is still uh, that sense of getting the word out there. Um, to people who again aren't fully tuned in, maybe maybe just kind of fringe fans. I think those are the people that you gotta target, right? The 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 3000 that we saw there yesterday are probably gonna be the same three thousand that are there every single game, regardless of what's going on. I love the four o'clock kickoff too, as somebody who uh, you know, wants to still have a little bit of a Saturday evening. Um And I think that, uh, you know, going forward, you can expect to see a lot more of those four o'clock early afternoon or mid-afternoon kicks uh, just to try to mitigate some of the the bad weather that we get up here in Michigan. I love it. Again, just like teams, I say more games, the merrier. Um, But I would like to see some more friendlies. And I don't know... um, you know, I, I know things have been a little bit weird in the last couple of years, and I'm sure it's not very easy to get a whole team to come out and schedule these friendlies like we used to, but I would love to uh, see some of those back on the schedule, sprinkle those throughout the calendar, um, you know, kind of mix things up, get some different players on the field, get some, I don't know, some just some different teams, and it'd be fun. Um, I miss those those friendlies.
0: I'm going to ask you, uh, who would your hypothetical a la... <clears throat> excuse me, I'll uh, give you a second to think about it. Who's your hypothetical favorite uh, or like your, 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 your biggest get that you'd like to come to see to Keyworth. Cause there's been some really great ones in the past. And uh, the first game I ever watched on a stream was the Venezia game. Okay. And I've been a fan of them ever since, just because their, their jerseys were cool. They had a cool coach, obviously with Nzagi and like, I think Detroit won. Or at least yeah. scored a really good goal. Say I think Cyrus Sadie got, got a goal. And so that was a cool story. Now that they're in the Serie A, it's even more and they got Mexican teams in and all that. And I've there's been, you know, there's lots of speculation because we've had such cool ones. Who would be, in your mind, the the one that you'd love to see come over?
1: It's hard to say, right? Because I think the best fits are, you know, some third third tier Portuguese team, you know, that has a really big community aspect like that more so than the competitive, um, aspect it's, it's the community base, the grassroots that I think is what Detroit city is going to try to look for. We've seen it with a lot of the other friendlies, uh, that they've done, whether it be FC United Manchester, uh, St. Pauli, going back a few years now, um, I think those are the ones that people really care most about the one, the first one that came to mind, honestly, just from some Twitter banter is, uh, Derby County or Darby County, uh, Oh, DCFC, versus DCFC. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cause you know, that, that hashtag DCFC will, uh, travel across the pond and there's been some, some, uh, chatter back and forth. So I think that'd be a lot of fun to get some of those guys over here.
0: Yeah, that would be fun. The one I think that like fits idealistically, and I think there would be a lot to like if there was like parties from both teams, that like, did a lot of intermixing. I think that they could compare notes a lot. I think AFC Wimbledon would be an awesome
1: yeah
0: uh, team to come because they. You know, they literally had their team like uh, franchised away from them and then mm-hmm. they started over, and now their club is in what the is it championship or league I one? Think now? In
1: league one still, yeah.
0: And yeah, so they came from the bottom, bottom, and recreated Wimbledon and are a legit, you know, FA, yeah, uh, you know, EPL team or our what is it, EFL team. Yeah. An English league team. And so I think that would be awesome because, you know, they would just have an, a new stadium back in the neighborhood because they were playing at various other, they were like uh, sharing stadiums, but now they have yep. their own. And I think just with, you know, with team building in itself, like being integral to, you know, American uh soccer at the moment, everyone seems to like, you know, we're having, having to build it ourselves. We don't have that history. And it's the, the unusual uh, English team that's successful that have done that kind of like in a somewhat similar timeline. Yeah. Uh, I think that would be a pretty cool melding of the minds.
1: Yeah. That's a, that's a great shout and a, a, a great story. If you haven't heard or, you know, aren't familiar with AFC Wimbledon, definitely check them out. Cause you're right, Rob, what they've done is, kind of the template and it's even more unique because of all the structure that already existed around them right they they had a team they were in a league there's the whole football pyramid over there and they had to figure out how to work within that right so i'm sure there was a lot more red tape than city but there was also
0: a system that facilitated them to rise to prominence
1: Sure. sure and it goes hand in hand but from from my vantage point like City in the NPSL, they were going to be able to do whatever the hell they wanted, right? NPSL was not going to step in and say, whoa, hang on, guys. you know. They recognized the cash cow and we're going to kind of let them do what they were going to do. But again, uh, that that is a bit different from what Wimbledon has been able to do.
0: Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. And then it probably wouldn't fit, but it'd be kind of interesting if Rexham came and <laughs> with the whole like ryan reynolds thing in the storyline that'd be kind of uh a wild shout too
1: yeah that'd be that'd be awesome i mean through social media like if anybody if any team if any fan base is gonna make something happen it's gonna be the northern guard and and co right like if they make their mind up on something that's pretty much all there is to say about it
0: <laughs> yeah what would the hash? yeah it would be pretty wild if ngs like did a just like went hard on a, a, a uh, on 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 Ryan Reynolds and the the yeah. always sunny guy and just like <laughs> bantered him into actually doing it or something. That'd be pretty funny. But uh, looking at the rest of the Nisa table now that like uh there's some some dead rubber now, but uh, um I'm not sure what the compensation structure is. Is it like uh because it's a, a league table? Do the teams get more money based on their their finishing spots?
1: That's, that's a, a that's a Dan
0: Vaughn question, I think maybe. That's a good
1: question. I would assume so, right? I was going to say
0: you got to give these guys uh, stuff to fight for. Obviously, these guys yeah. want jobs, and the, there's plenty of fight for there individually, but team wise, uh, Detroit City FC now has a 12 point lead, sitting on 38 points after 15 games, 12 wins, two draws, one loss. LA Force now in second with 26 points, and in the yesterday's defeated opponent on 23, the United Strikers, and then. The Stars, uh, they lost yesterday. They have five wins, five draws, five losses, sitting on 20 points in (laughs) fourth place.
1: It's just funny to me, five, five, five. Like, that is Michigan Stars.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I, I thought they wouldn't. I actually wish that Stars versus uh, Detroit City FC game, I wish that they wouldn't have had that extra game and it would have been, like, equal rest. I thought that took a little bit away because I thought Stars were competitive. And if they had like a energetic uh number nine, cause they they are you know definitely have a solidity and occasionally can attack on the wings. Yeah. But I've never really seen like a ball played into the box that was like a danger.
1: No. And, and like there's
0: they obviously have crosses or whatever, but like as far as like open play.
1: Yeah. It's Again, we could have a whole nother show about what Michigan Stars is trying to do, but yeah, I don't see a whole lot of uh, attacking prowess from them. (laughs) Yeah, I
0: wonder how many uh, kids they got in Halloween costumes, I guess, is the question.
1: Uh, Well, the funny thing is I I was on Twitter this morning, you know, uh, people trolling like crazy after a championship win. And unless I'm mistaken, unless this person was wrong on Twitter this morning, uh, next city game is against Stars. And, uh, you know, the, the, uh, what are the, the tunnel of the guard of honor, the guard of honor, (laughs) (laughs) handicap it, Rob, what do you think the odds are that stars do a tunnel of honor for city?
0: Nah, that's long odds. (laughs) I, uh, I realized this morning when I was doing the color casting for the Norwich game, I was trying to look at the odds and I, I don't know what any of those numbers mean. (laughs) Well, again, we can
1: have a, another show about that <laughs> and I can walk through all that.
0: But the, but big numbers, long odds for the because uh, that's not that's not necessarily an American thing anyway. No, and then uh, that would really be something. But it is a funny question to pose.
1: <laughs> I can just imagine it right there.
0: Will there? Won't they? If they ever did, I just remembered Man City's one for Liverpool. It's how so they all just weird. kind of like wandered
1: away. Yeah, it's so weird, right? Like, I don't know where do we know where that came from. Probably way, I think back it's legit. In the, I
0: the first time I really remember it is Leicester City, and
1: okay. it was
0: actually Chelsea that had to do it. And yeah, yeah. uh, I thought it was pretty cool then, but then, like, uh, yeah, when it's like your arch rivals going against each other, I can see why you wouldn't be so into it. But I think it, I, I like ceremonial things in general,
1: I do too. But I think especially if there's a, a few games left, right? Like, if you're that much better than everybody else and you've still got three games and we're doing a guard of honor and
0: I don't know just... but that's in lieu that's I think that is like a way to celebrate it when the trophy's not there because typically yeah. it's not there like on a clinching game like that I don't right. think in the Premier League or so I think it's a way to to honor them before they get the trophy
1: uh,
0: because they've like to honor them to to, to note that they're winners but they yeah. have yet to receive the trophy yeah I... speculate
1: that is true. That's interesting. Now that you mentioned it, we did the whole trophy presentation, but the season isn't over, and that that is yeah. a bit weird or or different. Uh, I
0: didn't expect to to it prove. to be there yesterday at Keyworth. To be honest, I I I thought that, I knew they were going to do like, like the banner or some something. You know, it's you know yeah. celebrate, but I I didn't expect the, the 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 trophy
1: to be there. Yeah, I hadn't even thought of that. That's a great catch.
0: Well, do you have any more thoughts on a Detroit City FC, um, their win 1-0 over um, the Cal United Strikers? I just got to say big props to Steinwasher. Those saves were amazing, and you could do that at any level, my man. <laughs> Those yeah. were awesome. The left-hander in the first half that from you know right in front of him stuck it out, that was amazing. And then to do it in the clutch uh, on the free kick right at the end, it was unbelievable.
1: Yeah. Uh, Steinwasher, amazing in net. Feilerman, great on the wing, particularly in the first half. Javon Torre, man of the match, amazing. Uh, the, and the back line, Stephen Carroll, I mentioned, doing everything without really doing anything. Maxi Rodriguez is all over the field, and I don't understand how he does it. Uh, winning the ball, uh, linking play, just scoring goals. It's amazing. And you know who really impressed me off the bench yesterday? And he has been all year, and I do want to mention him before we go. Darwin Espinal came off the bench, had speed, had great control of the ball, um, You know, got it into his feet, held off the defenders, let the pressure get off of his defense so that they weren't just kind of hemmed in for minutes on minutes. Darwin Espinal does a great job off the bench for City, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention his name here.
0: And he, his moment of quality is what got them the 1 0 win over the Stars earlier in the season. He had the number, he's, he, he received the ball on that left side where Filerman was against the Stars. He turned his guy and put in a great ball for Maxi Rodriguez <laughs> to yeah. score in that game, too. So that's a, that's a really good shot. Espinal definitely has uh, some real quality.
1: And also quickly, because I haven't heard anybody say this before, but when you look at City's roster, their lineup throughout the year, I I mentioned it, that consistency, the ability for Trevor James to pencil in pretty much the same 11 week after week, big kudos, shout outs, and thank you to the training staff and the people that keep these guys healthy and on the field because soccer is no joke. There's a lot of injuries you can pick up are nagging injuries that will keep you off the field. And if you're not careful, if you don't have the right people in position to take care of these guys, that can quickly snowball. So thank you to the trainers for allowing us to see these highly entertaining players week after week.
0: That's a great show. That's a great shout! You're right. And I mean, and at this level, there's not just like, a, you know, depth that just, you know, you can have players yeah. out and you, you there isn't always someone to fill in. Even though like the whole squad has been great when called upon, there has been a few like the same kind of guys on the peripherals, like sub in and out. But yeah, that core has been so consistent and solid. Lots of consistent starts for lots of guys. And Maxi Rodriguez, like definitely the best. No, like he's definitely the best player I've seen in the league, to be honest.
1: He's gotta be Black Arrow, right? I've I've heard a lot of people giving George Chamakov love and I know he's a fan favorite, but I don't see how you can watch Maxi Rodriguez play this year and not call him the best player on the field.
0: Yeah, he's been excellent. Literally every time I've I've seen him in real in real life and uh, online, he's always the standout. And <laughs> often, yeah. if it's on the far side and someone's done something good, I I end up following that person and ends up being him and as well. <laughs> and he had a couple crossfield like diagonals that were just beautiful yeah. to watch soar across the park. I loved that. And then I I I want to note about the celebration at the end. Um, the backup goalie was absolutely hilarious because <laughs> where we, I was sitting, he was like bouncing around on the sideline. And then as soon as yeah. the final whistle goal, he like tore off his like giant windbreaker yeah. coat and ran straight and got a, a, a smoke bomb and was really wilding out. He was uh, and, yeah, definitely in for the party.
1: That's how you know things are going well with the, with the club in, in the locker room, right? When the guys, when the backup keeper who I don't think, played at all this year because how are you not going to start nate steinwasher when those guys are having just as much fun on the bench that's when you know you got a good thing going
0: yeah there's definitely spirit and uh they've definitely got players are playing above their the the level that are joining the team and it's been well documented that they uh yeah players want to play there and it's it's clear there's definitely a, a spirit and a connection that uh not a Amer- lot of american teams have absolutely all right i guess well that's we'll we'll leave it detroit city fc uh nisa fall season champions uh thank you for uh going through the the game with me Mayor mitch
1: of course thanks as always rob great to talk to you until next time
0: Welcome back, Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. Rob Kerr here. There was plenty of action uh, in East Lansing over the weekend. On Saturday, of course, but also on Sunday, there was a big 10 quarterfinal. And uh, on the line to give us some more information on Michigan State Spartan soccer and what happened in the big 10 quarterfinal with the uh, girls quarterfinal luca maloney welcome back to the show
2: hey robert thank you for having me again on the show
0: yeah our guy in east lansing uh student uh, broadcaster with impact fm covering the spartans so yeah the spartans had a uh real turnaround season and uh tell us what happened in uh the game yesterday on sunday afternoon
2: yeah, absolutely. And for a little bit of context, the Michigan State women's soccer team under the last two years, under Tom Saxon, who retired, were 1-9-1 for two consecutive seasons. And they stepped in this season under Jeff Hostler at the helm, and they have now finished their season at 10-5-3. I was at their game against Iowa in the opening round of the Big Ten tournament. It was a 4-5 or five seed matchup. Amazing crowd. I wrote in one of my tweets at the game that it was one of the largest crowd attendances I've ever seen at the Martin Stadium. And this was after people are riding the high after the Michigan football game. So it was very impressive to see. And throughout the game, it was very tough. Early in the season, Michigan State cranked out a 2-1 victory over Iowa, which came in the last 20 minutes of the game. So going into this game, the new Iowa was a tough team. They had they had a lot of opportunities in the first half to get a couple goals. It just wasn't going their way. Going into the second half, same thing, passing the ball around really well. But a couple defensive mistakes turned into opportunities for Iowa, and in one of them, they capitalized, and Iowa defended really well as well. So give credit to them. They were a great team, but Michigan State women's soccer – under Hostler can't be disappointed. They have exceeded expectations, and we didn't think we'd be seeing them at this point.
0: That uh, sounds like it was pretty exciting. Not necessarily the the result, but just the atmosphere of the weekend there in East Lansing. So you say the, the just the whole area was a buzz, and that 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 uh, was contagious in the in the soccer game.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You could see that. Not a lot of fans were leaving early because it was a very close game. It was very tight. Opportunities were flying left and right. And the general atmosphere pumped, pumped the players on the field. And the players after the game, they were devastated. Um, some left the pitch in tears. And it really shows a true reflection of how hard this team has worked this season to improve and set a foundation going further into what Jeff Hosler and his coaching staff have implemented in this team.
0: So you you touched on uh, first year head coach, Jeff Hosler, taking over for – as predecessor, who's there for three decades? Um, uh, I guess I don't personally know the history. Did he have a long, successful run that kind of uh, had a, a a quiet ending, or what, what? What was the what's the history there
2: with Tom Saxon?
0: Yeah, yeah. I guess um, obviously you said uh, the last two years of the pre- previous coach uh, were only yeah, one it... win in each season. Uh, was there success before that, and it just you know went awry there at the end?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The um that soccer program under Saxton always had good players come in and out of the out of the program, some who have done really well, and but again, tournament time wasn't exactly their specialty. This Michigan State women's soccer side hasn't been in the Big Ten tournament since 2011, and this and last Sunday was the first time since 2002 that they hosted a home Big Ten tournament game. So. It, this was a time that was bound to come.
0: So that's very exciting that uh, uh, a momentous occasion for the side was uh, you know, appreciated and had the, the, the audience that uh, a moment like that deserved. That's, that's pretty exciting.
2: It was very exciting to see. And, and Hosler talked after the game. He was really impressed with his team, and he was really impressed with the support that the teams received throughout the, the entirety of the fall season.
0: Yeah, I had a guest on, a representative from the Red Cedar Rowdies, uh, uh, talking about uh, the the, the student support. It was really, really good this year and wasn't sure if that was just like the age of everyone coming up with soccer or if just everyone was just in the spirit of, you know, collegiate athletics just in general because we didn't really get to do it last year. Um, Would you say it was the team itself or just the situation that, that caused the fervor around the team?
2: I would say a little bit of both because obviously the team was gaining a lot of national attention as well, especially in midseason when they were they were getting high in the RPI rankings. they were getting a lot of national attention one of the best offensive teams in the country at one point. And you saw more fans turn out and you could see their ads would get were on Saturday one of their one of their big preview their, one of their videos was showing on at Spartan Stadium so that obviously was very big for, for the program
0: and um so the game I, I looked at the stats for uh that that tournament game on sunday afternoon 17 shots apiece for each team in the game and each had seven on target like they they lost just by one goal you know narrow margins that that's got to be a brutal loss he said players in tears but uh I mean, how close did state get that to that equalizer?
2: Very close. They had a couple of great opportunities uh, late in the late in the first half and early in the second half. A couple through midfielders, Ivana Labovich. She had a clear shot, top corner. Uh, Iowa goalkeeper got a great hand on it and stopped it. And she also had a cross that almost found forward I, Ava Cook, but it was just slightly behind and. Hostler touched on this at the end of the game. He said the team that makes less mistakes at the end of a tournament game is going to be on the wrong side of the, of the scoreline. And effectively, that's how it was. A couple of defensive mistakes, which which just happened in, in the second half, turned into opportunities on goal for Iowa. Iowa also had a couple other opportunities that they could have capitalized to make it 2-0. Two, two but in that first half, it looked like Michigan State was on the dr- in the driver's seat.
0: And they just uh, didn't quite capitalize. But congratulations to uh, the uh, women's uh, Spartans side, and congrats to first-year head coach Jeff Hosler. It's exciting. Another uh, Michigan-based team finding success and really turning programs around. That's very exciting to see. So with uh, their season over, uh, what's up with the men's side? Because you cover both of them.
2: Yeah, so men's side right now is just finished. Their they just finished their season against Northwestern on Sunday. It was right after at four pm, and that game didn't turn out the best way possible. They had a three one loss in at in Evanston, Illinois. But again, the men's side is it, it was a particularly different season for them because going into the season they didn't uh, bring in a lot of play they didn't bring in a whole lot of players that were going to start they started a, a group that was very familiar with the way Damon Rensing sets up the team and a lot of veteran experience on the field and at one point throughout the season men's the men's side had one of the highest RPI rankings because they were facing some of the toughest teams in the country. And one of their most notable results was the four three comeback victory led by Farai Mutatu hat trick over Notre Dame, that got them a little bit of national
0: attention. And then, so you said uh, they they got a a tournament bid that that's what you said, right? Their 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 postseason continues, or their they have a postseason
2: yeah, this year. They do have a postseason just because the men's uh, has um, has eight or nine, eight or nine teams, so. All the teams will play in the tournament. Unlike the women's, where some where some teams are left out. So men's will men's secured the eighth seed. So they will be playing Penn State, who just won the Big Ten championship.
0: So, uh, so, so it, that it, could be a a, 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 a a monumental task ahead for success.
2: It could, but it could also be the right task because. Just behind Penn State is Maryland and Indiana, and in our opinion, those were the two teams that played the best soccer throughout the year. Penn State is a great team; they won some big games. But we, in the we at Impact, we at the Martin Download, our our MSU Soccer Podcast, we believe that Maryland and Indiana had have the have the better roster and have the better skill set of players that. That MSU could probably avoid could have that MSU avoided, and instead they got Penn State, who was going to win the Big Ten, who just won the Big Ten championship, and that's a it's a, still a difficult game. But I I believe the other oppositions would have been much more difficult to deal with.
0: So so you're saying they have a chance? So as an eighth seed playing the one seed, and you said that was on Sunday coming up on the seventh.
2: That will be. Yeah, I'll double check that right now. But yes, it will be Sunday at the seventh. They haven't given it a time for it just yet.
0: So is that uh, home or away? It'll be away. Oh yeah, yeah. That'll be pretty. That'll be pretty rich if the eighth seed get the 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 home field advantage, huh?
2: Yeah, and we we were all thinking that it was going to be another repeat of a four or five seed matchup with Michigan and Michigan State in Ann Arbor. We were all kind of rooting for that when it'd be a closer drive for all of us to go. Unfortunately, it didn't go that way. So,
1: is that
2: so uh, in Washington. the cards? In the cards? In well, the... no longer in the. Um, no longer in the cards unless unless Michigan State and Michigan both advance in the first in the first round of the tournament.
0: But uh, are you gonna make the drive out to Penn State? Um, if
2: we will get reimbursed <laughs> for it. <laughs> I would love to, um, but as of right now, it looks like we will be watching it through Big Ten Network.
0: Yeah, e- e- eagerly watching. Yeah, that's that, that, that's that's a that's a big ask. That's a big ask. But, uh, um, so uh, once hopefully the Cinderella run of uh, MSU uh, men's soccer ends up, what do you what are you uh, are you going to be covering anything through the winter?
2: Um, I'll be looking to cover some men's hoops throughout the winter. I've already been to the first game against Penn State, against Fair State, excuse me. And hopefully we'll get to cover a little bit more of that and also watch how the end of the football season unfolds. All
0: right. Well, uh, good luck to your Spartans and uh, let uh, the listeners know where they can find uh, your coverage.
2: Absolutely. It's on impact89fm.org under the sports section. You can also listen to our podcast under the same in any, where you wherever you listen to your your podcast. It's the Martin Download, everything MSU soccer and beyond.
0: All right, Luca Maloney, our man in East Lansing, thank you so much for joining Michigan Soccer Central Podcast.
2: I appreciate you, Robert. Thank you for having me again.
0: All right. Those were some awesome interviews. Uh, thank you listener for joining me. Uh, it's been a great week. Every single week we get so many good uh, feedback messages about the show. Please don't be shy about doing that. Uh, send a direct message to us. If you want to nominate a team for team of the week, thank you to the great guests for sharing their time and insights and um, uh, Just sharing the inside knowledge from uh, the broadcast team of a guy that goes to every single Detroit City FC game to a college broadcaster, learn his trade, and knows the inside and outs of one of the the big college programs here in the state. So thank you to those guys. Thank you to Jenny for editing the show. Thank you to Dan for the music. And thank you to the MSC crew for giving me the knowledge to help put this show together. So everybody, thanks for tuning in once again. And until next week, enjoy your soccer. All right, those were some honor. Oh boy.